I had a thought just now. Who shot the nose off the Sphinx? Uh, And who has been hacking the noses off some of the statues of ancient Egypt? Uh, Who's been doing that and why? Um, uh, Now, who shot the nose off the Sphinx? Uh, Well, no idea. Maybe it fell off. Um, maybe a French soldier shot it off while he was drunk I have no idea Uh, maybe um, the Assyrians did it thousands of years ago I have no idea are there any pictures of the Sphinx with the nose on I should google that I have no idea I, I have just heard that this has been debated. Are there pictures of the Sphinx? Did the Romans draw the Sphinx back in ancient times and did it have a nose on it then? See, that would be the answer to my question answered. Uh, But my podcast is not about finding out answers. It's not about researching. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Excuse my squeaky chair. Um, Okay. If you know the answer to that, you know, enjoy it. Right, so that's that. Now, as to who's been hacking the noses off various statues around Egypt, that doesn't have to be the same person who shot the nose off the Sphinx. Well, it didn't even have to be one person knocking all those noses off. (laughs) Maybe it was that same French soldier, the bastard. Maybe it was Napoleon himself. I've got no idea, but I know it's a debate that gets, gets around the traps. Yeah, it's not a debate I'm interested in getting involved in. Uh, uh, excuse me for a second. Uh, yes, I'm back. Uh, okay, so who shot the noses off all these other statues? Well, who hacked them off anyway? Um, well, I don't know the answer to that either. You know, lots of different people, quite possibly. Uh, it seems like a targeted attack, and I think a few people have picked up on that. I don't know whether it is a targeted attack or not, you know. Um, maybe noses just fall off themselves. Maybe they're the most fragile part of a statue. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, um, maybe some of those noses were the noses of uh, races that the people who hacked the noses off uh, didn't like. You know, they didn't want to see Egyptian statues with noses like that on them. And if that's the case, that would be interesting uh, and, and unsurprising, really, uh, because there's a lot of people, you know, who um, don't like what they see when they see, for example, statues from a glorious um, culture and, um, and the statues and not reflecting the race of the people uh, that those people who are the nose hackers want reflected on those statues. I don't know if I butchered that sentence or not. Um, uh, you know, and that's interesting. And I know that effect, you know, because uh, my ancestors, you know, one branch of my ancestors uh, came from a street in Ireland called Great Britain Street. They were Irish, but they came from a street that was called Great Britain Street. 
when they left Ireland to come here to Australia. Um, and that was just around the corner from the Dublin post office. Um, and these were the last of my ancestors to come to Australia, and that was in 1890. Now, uh, a while after that, uh, you, you can't look that up now on Google Earth. It, it's not there anymore. Well, the street's still there, and even the house is there. Even the old Hassard you know, apartment is there still in what was Great Britain Street, but Great Britain Street was hacked off the pole. You know the sign? It's not called that anymore. When Ireland got there, there, it's not my country, it's their country. You know, uh, My people left before this all happened, so this has nothing to do with my history. But when Ireland uh, kicked the English out of Dublin uh, and uh, yeah, got their independence, republic, the whole bit... Um, they hacked the nose off that statue. You know, they took the sign down and uh, replaced it with uh, Parnell Street. So, you know, my ancestral apartment, as it were, it's just an apartment in a block. You know, it's nothing flash or anything like that. Um, you know, has been rebranded. You know, and, and maybe whoever has been smashing the noses off the faces of the statues of ancient Egypt... Um, haven't liked what they saw in the same way that the Irish clearly didn't like the look of Great Britain Street on their signposts in Dublin. Um, Okay, and that's understandable. I I mean, I understand the Irish wanting to do that. Um, I happen to be a bit of an Anglophile when I get going. I love Ireland, well, I love England uh, as an idea, you know, I love Australia as an idea. I love a lot of things as an idea. I love Egypt as an idea. Um, So now let me think about this. So someone's been hacking the noses off these statues. Look, some of them might have just been vandals, of course, but let's forget about them. Um, I would bet that in... if, If, yeah, in most cases, you know, if something malicious has been at play. In most cases, um, it would have been the Egyptians knocking those noses off. Uh, yeah, yeah, like you have these periods where invaders come in to ancient Egypt and um, sit on the throne as pharaohs for a period of time and then finally get kicked out. Yeah. And, and, while, and whilst they're on the throne, you know, the um, ethnic Egyptians are grumbling because they've been uh, turned into second-class citizens in their own land and, and they are being ruled by foreigners. You know? um, so my bet would be, you know, there, there, there would be there, there, I think there were dynasties that were restorations you know, of the Egyptians to the throne after some invader or other had occupied the throne, you know. Um, and, and, and those people who occupied the throne from time to time were you know, people coming down the Nile, you know, up from the south, um, what I call black Africans in the uh, episode coming up, uh, and, and you know, Greeks coming down from the north. Uh, they, they, you know, like Alexander the Great, you know, he was a pharaoh for a while. And, uh, you know, people that came after him were Greeks and they seemed to be in charge, 
and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, like, if there were any statues of, Ale- uh, of pharaohs that looked like Alexander the Great, maybe they would have knocked off his curly hair, you know, because they didn't like the look of it, because it looked too Greek. Yeah? Alexander the Great looked too Elvis for, for their tastes. Have you ever noticed that, by the way? Google Elvis portraits and Google Alexander the Great portraits, just on Google. Have a look at the similarities. Is it true that um, all the girls used to swoon over Elvis on the basis that he looked just like Alexander the Great? You know, or the image of Alexander the Great that comes down to us anyway. Anyway, all that aside, yeah, if I was to blame anybody, I would blame the Egyptians in one of those periods in time, or many of those periods in time, where the Egyptians got back on the throne and uh, went around Egypt knocking off the noses Oh, why would they do that? They'd probably knock off the whole statue, wouldn't they? I'm sure they did. Yeah, knock off all images that um, they didn't like the look of, that didn't fit. Yeah. Uh, but then again, yeah, it could be a combination of people. Could have been vandals. Could have been anybody. I don't know the answer, and I don't want to know the answer. But if you know the answer, you know, enjoy that answer. I'm sure you're right. Now, um, so suddenly the this episode is going to be called. Who knocked the nose off the Sphinx? Um, and, the, and, and the reason for that is only because it's catchy. But the episode that's coming up, I recorded about half an hour ago, uh, or an hour ago, um, the episode that's coming up has got nothing to do with that. Yeah? Got nothing to do with that. It's about something else altogether. And I forget, what, I think I called, yeah, I did, I called it, uh, I, at that point in time, I was imagining that I was going to call the episode Egypt and the Zen of Not Wanting to Know, you know. So when I do claim that this episode is called that, which I'm about to in some audio coming up, it's not anymore. I've changed my mind. And the episode is now called Who's Been Knocking the Noses Off the Statues of Egypt? No, no, that's not catchy. Who Knocked? The nose off the Sphinx. That's catchy. Egypt and the Zen of Not Wanting to Know. It's a two-parter, this episode. And I'll get the second part out of the way, the Not Wanting to Know business, uh, so that I can get onto Egypt. Uh, because Egypt is one of those things I find fascinating. Uh, amongst millions of things I find fascinating, that's why uh, my wife's uncle, he reckons I'm sunshine, and he means it not in a good way. He said, I don't focus. You like sunshine, you're shining everywhere. Focus on something. <laughs> ah, well, I'll focus on some. I'll focus on Egypt in a minute. Okay. Uh, the, the zen of not wanting to know, uh, that's just... Yeah, that's a bit of a theme in this overall podcast. You know, it's how I differentiate myself from most of public discourse. You know, it's just a personal thing. Um, I'm not trying to prove anything or be anything or do anything. Just I don't want to know. You know the answer. Do anything really. Just want to ask the questions, and you know if you've got an answer, enjoy it. Now, if I ask a question, if you and you've got an answer to it, enjoy it. <laughs> For yourself, you know, don't tell me about it, I don't care. All right, it's that, you know. I was almost tempted to say zen, 
you know, like um, Egypt and the Zen of not needing to know, yeah, because I don't need to know, but I don't even want to know. Switching off the want. It's a, it's a bit Buddhist. I'm, I'm not a meditator. Um, no, I'm, I'm not into anything, actually, uh, like that. Uh, but I do like switching off the want. Yeah. Um, I made a bet uh, with a niece uh, about three and a half years ago that I could switch off the want for five things that I enjoyed at the time. And she accepted the bet, you know. And I, I clicked my fingers and I said, all right, I switch off the want for wine. You know, I loved a red wine back then. I, I knew these things would be good for me if I did give them up, you know. So I said, all right, I can switch off the want. Um, I switch off wine. I switch off, yeah, and I thought of five things that I, would be good to give up, you know. I, I switch off sugar. I switch off uh, white flour. You know, all this stuff was off the top of my head. And I switch off uh, white rice and white potatoes. You know, they were the five things. And I switched them off and I've never gone back to them. Because what I did, I didn't say, uh, you know, I didn't make a resolution that um, I won't eat those things anymore. Uh, what I was doing was switching off the want for those things. You know, then, then you don't have to use any self-control. You, know, you don't have to work hard. It's easy. You know, so I clicked my fingers and said, I have switched off the want for those things. You know, that's a lot easier, you know. And in that way, I wrecked a billion-dollar uh, weight loss industry you know, because um, I didn't have to resist. I didn't have to use... Um, I didn't have to use uh, self-control, you know, discipline. I didn't have to use discipline anymore, you know, and I haven't eaten those things since. All right, so that's that. I do like sweet potatoes, though. Uh, I count them as not white, you know. So I, anyway, long story short. Okay, so now back to, you know, not needing to know, not wanting to know the answer to questions in the... Yeah, you know, in philosophy or history or anything like that, you can do that. You can do that same. You can play the same game with all that stuff too. You know, um, there is an argument about at the moment in the twenty first century as to who owns Egypt's Egypt's glories. Uh, there are a few different people claiming Egypt's <laughs> glories. Um, now, look, the one that's been coming to me, because I, I have a supplier from the world of social media. Not being on the world of social media, I need suppliers, you know, and they send me bits and pieces from the world of social media via text. And um, and I, I, a clip was sent to me in which, um, more than one clip, and some rap songs too, in which African-Americans claim, now, you know, um, African-Americans, you know, ex you know, the descendants of slaves, brought over from, I think, mostly the west coast of Africa, you know, but these guys, in their rap songs and in these clips and all that sort of stuff, you know, inspirational clips, claiming the glories of Egypt um, for themselves, you know, yeah, claiming that, you know, that's part of the African contribution to the world. Oh, well, we know that now. Because we've, you know, by the 21st century, we've worked out that Africa is a discrete continent, you know. But back in the time of the glories of ancient Egypt, um, it wasn't, a, Africa wasn't a continent then. Well, it was, but we didn't know it was, so it wasn't, right? So there was no real connection. You know, um, Egypt, you know, back then was no more connected to West Africa than it was connected to Greece or Persia or, you know, Mesopotamia or Rome, 
In fact, it was probably a lot less connected to West Africa and South Africa and all that stuff. Yeah, even Kenya, you know, which is a little bit closer. Um, and 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 even Ethiopia, you know. Although you know the links are pretty close there because of the Nile. But you know, um, yeah, who gets to claim the glories of Egypt? You know, well. Um, retrospectively, I think a lot of African Americans are claiming it for themselves now, because um, geographers um, have given them an excuse, excuse to, you know. But uh, in this episode, I want to swing around in a minute and respect, because I do like respect in these episodes. Respect, you know, give that um, sort of contention by African-Americans in their rap songs and clips and so on, um, give that full voice, you know, and sort of say, all right, how can I make that work? You know, that these guys can possibly claim the glories of um, Egypt for themselves as if they had those glories, you know. Because deep down, I, I kind of say to myself, um, well, if I was to ask that question of myself, I'm not, coming, I'm not coming up with answers in this episode, I'm just asking questions, but if I was to ask myself uh, that question, you know, who gets to claim the glories of Egypt in the 21st century? Uh, well, I'd say gut feeling. Egypt, Egyptians? Seems too obvious. Yeah, but the modern Egyptian might be a little bit different from the ancient Egyptian. Maybe nobody can. You know, maybe the ancient Egyptians have disappeared. No, but but mostly, you know, modern Egyptians, um, you know, I, I would imagine that those guys can claim the glories of ancient Egypt most validly, legitimately. Um, and countries like Greece kind of can't, even though there's a lot of connections between Greece and um, Egypt, you know, shared gods and shared, you know, the mythologies intersect and the cultural connections were very strong and all that sort of stuff back in ancient times. You know, Mesopotamia and all that sort of stuff, you know. Look, most of these places, they invaded Egypt. Um, you know, Egypt was something of an island, in the same way that China's an island, you know. Uh, and eventually, you know, these other mobs um, would come in and, um, and invade Egypt. And, uh, and, and also up from the south, you know, there were, I don't know which mob they were, I never know, the Kushites, you know. Um, but black Sudanese-type people or, you know, somewhere, somewhere around there, they came up and invaded Egypt too, you know, and the the Romans definitely well, they came down and invaded, and the um and the Arabs came across and invaded later, and uh, the oh the Greeks before the Romans and all that sort of stuff, you know, and set up Alexandria. Did the um Greeks, you know? Oh well, you know Alexander was the pharaoh of Egypt, and um and one of you know and after Alexander died, um. The the Ptolemies, the Greek Ptolemies took over and the last, you know, famous one of those, uh, you know, Ptolemy was one of um, Alexander's generals and the last of the Ptolemies, I think, or maybe some of the, I don't know, did any of the children keep going, um, was um, Cleopatra. You know, so the Greeks were very much part of Egypt in the ancient world that far back. But if you go back even further, 
Um, the glories of ancient Egypt, I think, were originally, originally, um, you know, can be claimed by the ethnic Egyptians back in ancient Egypt, way back when the pyramids were made. Yeah, but then you'd get these invaders. So some, I think some black Africans came up from south, from the south, from up, you know, from the upper Nile, you know, they came up from the south, except down from the south, because the Nile goes down <laughs> as you come up from the south. <laughs> now, that's confusing. Um, but, um, and, and they took over, and I think there was a whole dynasty maybe, maybe a dynasty and a half, of pharaohs. You know, this is after Egypt had defined its culture, and um, some Kushites. And it doesn't matter if I've got this exactly right, you see, because I don't want to know. I don't need to know what is the exact answer. You know, a podcast, an episode like this is designed so that if you are an idiot enough to be listening to this, you decide what you think is true and enjoy that. I'm not here to dissuade you. You know, if, if, you, if you want to um, believe the, the Greeks uh, get in the 21st century, get to claim the glories of ancient Egypt, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to try and debate it with you. And if you think that, you know, because, because Greeks invaded Egypt at one stage, you know, and if you think some black Africans who came up, um, you know, because that they, um, they took over, like Alexander took over, you know, um, if you get, if, oh, you know, if you think that if you get to be an invader into a country and then you take over for a while, that the glories of those countries are down to you, that you get to claim the glories of those, that country, well, good. And you know what? Quite likely, whilst you were in that invading phase and you were a pharaoh for a while, um, like um, the black Africans were, in Egypt for a while, unlike the Greeks were and the Romans were. You know, if you develop that culture at all, whilst you're there during your tenure, well, you do get to claim a little bit of the glory of whatever was produced in that moment in time. You do get to claim that. Huh? Um, that's valid. See, I'm starting to swing around now and get on the same side on the same page and be at one with the African-Americans now because um, the... Uh, now, I, look, I don't know if they were West Africans that came up. Uh, they were probably a mob, you know, from Sudan or something, for all I know. Uh, um, yeah, I don't... Can, even now, even then, can West Africans claim that, you know, if it was a different African mob, a different black African mob, black is the colour of the skin... It's a descriptive term. Right. Now, um, in my podcast it is. Uh, right. So you can say, oh, Egyptians were black and so are South Greeks. Well, actually, I'm married to South Greeks and they don't look very black to me. But, you know, and South Italians and all that. So, oh, look, it gets out of control, that definition of black. I'll go with the definition of black that if, you, you know, if I can't see you at night, <laughs> unless you smile. <laughs> all right. Now, so... Africans came up and uh, took the throne of the ethnic Egyptians. And uh, one thing I do know is the ethnic Egyptians, the original Egyptians, weren't too pleased about it because they were made second-class citizens in their own land. Yeah, so you've got a distinction there all, already. And, and the same goes, I'm sure, when the Romans and the Greeks and the Greeks and the Romans came down, 
and other mobs, you know, and the Arabs when they came across, I'm sure the Egyptians weren't too pleased about it, you know. So you get this distinction, this differentiation between Egyptians and the invaders, you know, a, dif- a differentiation between Egyptians and what you might call, you know, black Africans. I'll just use that term for now. You know? So are they different or are they the same, you know? Um, are they different mobs or are they the same mob? You know, if you've got... Um, uh, Romans, or let's say Greeks, Greeks as the ruling class in Egypt and ethnic Egyptians um, in the time of, you know, uh, Cleopatra, for example, or Alexander or whatever, back back in time then, um, who gets to claim the glories of ancient Egypt, very ancient Egypt, then, you know, well, the ethnic Egyptians grumbling underneath the yoke of the invading class who are up there calling themselves Pharaoh and putting on the big hat and all that sort of stuff and saying, you know, and singing Katy Perry songs or something, I don't know what. Um, but they're all up there um, playing Pharaoh, you know, um, culturally appropriating you, you know, calling, calling themselves Pharaoh. Now, it's never that neat, you know. Maybe a lot of Egyptians were, so, were very... Um, were very excited about Alexander. I don't know. Maybe they hated his guts. It doesn't matter. Anyway. <sighs> anyway. So, um, but back then, the fact that Africa, as we call it now, it wasn't called that then. Africa wasn't called Africa then, per se. If anything, it was called Ethiopia by the Greeks, at least. The entire, all black people were Ethiopians, you know. Wherever they came from, I think, you know. It's just a broad term, you know. Um... And I think Africa was... Look, I looked these up one time, but I didn't look into it deeply. I think Africa, the word Africa, uh, was the word that the Romans, you know, it's a Roman word, gave to just the people over the over the ditch, you know, over the water uh, on the other side. Um, uh, you know, Carthage and all that area. You know, they said, oh, they're all Africans. You know, that's Africa. But when um, when they named that... Uh, the Romans just meant that bit, you know. They didn't even know the stuff underneath the Sahara was even there, you know. So back at, at that point in time, you know, what's in a name? Um, you know, back at that time, Africa was kind of that strip of land up the top of what we call Africa today, you know, because there wasn't a continent. It didn't exist back then. There wasn't a continent called Africa, Um there was the Mediterranean world. You know, there were worlds back then. There weren't continents. We didn't have continents back then. There was no such concept of continents. So, you know, you couldn't form an identity group based on a geographical continent because no one knew that continents exist. We hadn't got that far out. We hadn't gone up into space, turned around and had a look. You know, we hadn't had, you know, Christopher Columbus and Captain Cook and all those guys, you know, starting to work out that there are continents. We didn't have geologists yet, um, deciding who's living on what t- tectonic plate, you know, that sort of thing. All right. Uh, you know, back then, the worlds were based around rivers and, you know, a different, a different type of geography, you know. So there was, there was the thing, there was a world called the Mediterranean world. I think there's no doubt about that. The Mediterranean world, you know, that, you know, was all around the Mediterranean, like frogs on, you know, around a pond, you know. Uh, 
as Aristotle described all the Greek colonies back there, you know, um, Greece at one stage colonised the Mediterranean as little cities all around the Mediterranean, um, much like you know, the English came and colonised Australia with little penal colonies all around Australia. You know, the Greeks did that. And I think they even, you know, I've never, you know, I, I tried to look it up, but there was no reference to it. But it really, it did feel like a, uh, the Greeks, you know, declaring those little spots terra nullius, as, as you know, the English did here in Australia. And, you know, they had this law that only Greeks could own land. Um, so that when they went to a foreign land and they saw that there were no Greeks there, they said, oh, well, nobody owns it, you know, and that's terra nullius, you know, and, and the British rather did the same thing, you know, when they came here to Australia. Um, it's not that the Greeks declared the, you know, the ancient Gauls, you know, or the ancient... Um, you know, whoever, Spanish or Tunisians or Libyans or whatever. It wasn't that they were declaring them flora and fauna. They were just declaring that they couldn't own land. It was a legal thing, you know. They couldn't own land. So we'll just set up a city-state and we'll just say, we'll divide it up and say we own it, you know. And the Greeks were doing that back then. Um, and the British did that here too in Australia. Uh, they weren't declaring um, indigenous people off the track a little bit here, just for a moment. They weren't declaring people flora and fauna, and we know this, you know, because um, there was a crime called murder in the early colonies of New South Wales. Here, uh, if you killed a, an Aborigine, you know, you could be hung. Yeah, you know? often the trials were corrupt, but you know there was a law. You know, Macquarie had a law there, um, and you know, so uh, Aborigines were definitely humans. They weren't flora and fauna. Um, neither the Aborigines nor the British who came here were quite sure early on that the other was human, you know, because we hadn't invented DNA yet. You know, later we found out we were all the same, but back then even I would have doubted whether this other mob was the same sort of human as me. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I say that because I think there's lots of evidence that the Aborigines thought the same thing about these white ghosts that were coming on these strange ships. You know. But the same goes for the Greeks, you know, way, way back, when they were colonising bits and pieces all around the Mediterranean. You know, they were going there. Now, you could say, yeah, they knew everyone was humans. You know, a little bit like in Australia. You know, you weren't hung if you shot a kangaroo or a wombat, but you were hung if you, were, if you, sh if you shot an Aborigine. Yeah. All right, so an Aborigine was hung if an Aborigine shot an Australian too, you know, which is, it's not all great. It's definitely not all great. Now, um, but the Greeks, when they went around the Mediterranean, colonised things and they took, um, they took land from the white people and the black people, as it turned out, uh, you know, because they had a, a term for the white people too, gallo, you know, after milk. I think they, that's what they called them, the gallows, you know, um, the Gauls, yeah, uh, and they would take land from the Gauls and they'd say, well, you can't own it because you're just a white person, you know, because they were a little bit in between, a bit olive, you know, a bit olivey brown, you know, and and they took land off the black people too and said, hey, you can't own land either because you're black, you're all the wrong colour. <laughs> uh, you know, nothing like a white slave, nothing like a black slave. Right, back then. Um, now, um, and, but, and, and do you know what the Greeks probably thought, and I think they did, that they weren't quite as human, you know, these other mobs, the white people and the black people, weren't quite as human as themselves. I think, I think there's evidence to suggest that the Greeks thought that way, you know, 
And you know, what are you going to do? Go back in time with your 21st and 20th century knowledge of DNA and say, ha ha, you were wrong. If you were back then, there's no, you know, there's no way for you to know that the two, all the different mobs were all humans in the same way, you know, that they were all the same species very chauvinist we get in the 21st century, going back in time like that, you know, to ancient Greece and, um, and saying, oh my goodness, how racist. You thought that the, um, you know, the Gauls and the Spanish, you thought that they weren't human. That is so racist. You know, and, and the Greek back then, well, you prove that then, you prove that they are the same racist as we Greeks, you know. And, um, and you'd have to say, oh, uh, DNA, and they'd say, DN what? You know, very chauvinist we get now. And same goes if you go back to the early, you know, back to Captain Cook's time and everything. Captain Cook, he looked at a whole lot of um, Aborigines in this strange land, a lot far, far away, which was the moon, which was as far away as the moon was Australia back then. He'd gone to the moon and, um, and there were people, you know, people that looked like people there, but, you know, are they the same species? How would you know? You know, and should you alter your, all your laws immediately based on the fact that they are? You know, how would you know? You know? Same sort of thing. Now, the Egyptians, were they the same? You know, did they see themselves as superior? Well, probably. It probably gave them a kick in the teeth when the, you know, first the black Africans came up and uh, became pharaohs. That would have been a real um, a, a kick in the bum and, and, and caused a lot of doubt, wouldn't it? Uh, I, I'm just guessing here. I'm not an Egyptologist. You know, I'm not a Sudantologist either. I don't even know if they came from the Sudan. They might be a different mob. It doesn't matter. Remember that bit? The Zen of not wanting to know. Okay. So, um, the Egyptians, you know, they probably thought they were a bit superior too. In fact, I think they did. You know, the Assyrians gave them a bit of a shock too, I think. At one stage, they were another invading force. They were pretty deadly. Um, all right. So, anyway, you get all these mobs, the Assyrians, you know. Um, I think they were Semitic. You know, the Semites. That was a whole mob too. Maybe they were more human. Oh, they are, actually, because um, the Jews, you know, they said they were the chosen ones, more human than everyone else in a sense, if God had them as the chosen one. Yeah, because there was no DNA and all that sort of stuff. You know, we know about DNA now, but back then, um, I think there's evidence to suggest that the Jews thought that they were a certain type of superior race, a master race, as you, as it were. You know, they were a shepherd race hemmed in between two master races, you know, two other races that thought they were master races, the Babylonians and the Egyptians, the superpowers of their day, and the Jews were in the middle, caught in between, and they said, oh, gee, these guys think they're great. You know, they think they are the master races, um, something like what you might call God's chosen peoples, um, I tell you what, we'll write a book and we'll just we'll just write it down that we are God's chosen and we are more human. It gets down to you know, what your definition of human is. It's a bit of a scary discussion to get into. You start sounding like Hitler if you start getting into that. You know, what is the definition of a human? You know, you might say the you know, the ability. You know, humans are differentiated from non-humans like animals. Um, you know, because of their powers of being able to be rational and use logic and rhetoric and all those sorts of things. And then you sort of say, oh, my God, there was a period in time, though, when the Greeks invented half of that stuff and taught the world how to think. 
you know, before that moment when the Greeks came up with all those ideas, if, if, if a human is defined by having some of those characteristics that the Greeks invented, all right, um, you know, the, the, the science of thinking, you know, which is, you know, what the Greeks did bring to the table, you know, anyone who didn't have that, were they less human than the Greeks at that point in time? And then you start sounding like Hitler, you know, except substitute Aryan race with Greek race, you know. And I'm sure the Egyptians were the same, and I'm sure just about every uh, group in the world was the same, and they, each group kind of back then, they didn't have DNA. You know, Crick, is he one of them who came up with a... Oh, sorry, whoever the other guy is. Uh, I'll have to take a pause and a break here for a minute, and I'll get back to you. I'm back. And where was I up to? I don't know where I was up to, and I'm not going to go back and listen to find out, but I know I was talking about Egypt, amongst other things. Um, right, so I'll just pick up sort of almost afresh. Uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to go back and listen to my previous audio just so I can make it segue nicely. Uh, this is not that serious a podcast, because we don't even want to know. Um, okay, so, uh, look, I was talking about Egypt, and, um, and who gets to claim the glories of Egypt? You know, there was probably a break just before in what I was saying doesn't matter just let that bit go you know um who gets to claim the glories of egypt now uh by the way in all of this i see a compliment to the ancient egyptians and i mean the ancient ethnic egyptians before all the invaders came up and came down and came across and started you know um you know having their two bobs worth on Egyptian culture and, you know, maybe adding a, a bit here and a bit there. But as, as far as the essential culture of Egypt goes, there's a compliment in all of this that lots of people want to claim the glories of Egypt for themselves. And I just thought of someone else, Molly Meldrum, you know, the music guru here in Melbourne, um, rock and roll. You know, he loves Egypt. You know, there's a lot of Egypt... Uh, Egyptophiles, you know. Um, there's a lot of people who are in, amazed and entranced. I like Egyptian art, by the way. I love that sideways thing, you know, walk like an Egyptian, and you know, that sort of stuff. Um, I love all that stuff. And the cats, you know, it's fantastic. But the culture is rich, you know, because of the Nile. Yeah, you know, they had the Nile River. You know. in, in early, early times, the greatest cultures were around the rivers, you know. Um, and did those rivers make those people more human? <laughs> yeah, because the more successful you are, yeah, the more great you think you are, but it's really down to the river you're near most of the time, yeah. whether that be um, the Nile or the other ones. Yeah. Um, over in China and India, you know, modern, um, and um, Mesopotamia and all that sort of stuff. The rivers defined the early cultures. That, that rose to greatness, you know, what you might call greatness. Look, Indigenous Australians had a different type of greatness where they didn't, you know, develop civilizations of that sort, you know. Um, didn't invent mass killing, for example, you know, and they lived more closely with nature. 
that's a greatness too. Different type of greatness. But I'm talking about the glories. There's a certain type of glory that um, we people who originate from, well, where do we originate from? Well, I'm just a damned German barbarian, so put me out of the picture. Uh, I'm a Celtic barbarian and a German barbarian, you know. Um, Look, I probably had my own glories too. I probably knew how to do a bit of hack and slash. <laughs> um, all right, so that's that. Egypt. Look, that, that that's amazing, Egypt. And um, there's a compliment to be had yeah, for the ancient Egyptians in developing a culture, and they developed it. Yeah, I don't think... Oh, hang on, I've got to go again. One more crack at this. One more crack at finishing it all. Uh, okay, so Egypt. We're talking about Egypt. And, yes, I know what I was talking about just before. Uh, there's a compliment for the ancient Egyptians. And I mean the ethnic Egyptians. You know, not, not the invaders from time to time. Uh, there's a compliment in the original, for the original Egyptians, whoever the hell they were. I'm not even sure what they looked like, really. Well, we get a bit of an idea from the statues and the drawings and all that Okay, um, and there's a compliment in all of this that so many different people want to claim a piece of them, you know, the glories of ancient Egypt. And I think that's great. You know? And I think Egyptians back then should be proud if they're still alive somehow, you know, underneath those mummy wraps. <laughs> uh, um, now, now, when let's say you know the first invaders that came and became pharaoh, um, uh, they would tend to align themselves with the uh, the gods of Egypt straight away, even though they might not have had anything to do with those gods. That's the first thing you do, you know. And you say, "No, I am descended from those gods." You know, you say that to the people, but the ethnic Egyptians, you know, let's say it was you know black Africans as such coming up from the south and. You know, those guys saying, listen, um, yep, I'm, I'm your pharaoh now. You know, look, I don't know. Maybe the Egyptians accepted that. Uh, but if I was an ancient Egyptian, I'd, I'd just grumble and say, we'll kick you out one day, you bastards. Yeah. Because those invaders who came in and um, dressed themselves up as pharaohs, you know, that's the way I would have thought of it if I was an ethnic Egyptian, um, uh, they're um they're fakes you know and um and my feeling is with these invaders and i'll get to the greeks and the romans later and the others and the arabs and you know the assyrians you know look there were waves of invaders the invaders as they came you know like uh, look i got that thing from the um an african-american youtube clip or something you know we were pharaohs once you know and, and the guy who's Posting this thing is obviously not from Egypt, you know. Just doesn't look like it. He looks like he's from West Africa or something somewhere, you know. And I'm sort of thinking, how do you claim? But but I want to respect that, you know. I will find a way to respect that in a minute. Now, um, from the perspective of the Egyptians themselves, I would think, and you know, something of the ancient Egyptians would still be in the face of a modern Egyptian. I'm sure they do look a bit different. And the modern Egyptians, they look a bit different. I can tell an Egyptian a little bit. Um, from their perspective, the invaders would have damaged Egypt. 
added something, no doubt. Added some good things, brought some new cultural ideas and all that sort of stuff. But I would have thought, you know, um, uh, mostly damaged us and improved us in a few little ways, you know, but mostly damaged us. You know, so an invader coming in would think, you know, like now in the 21st century, um, a black African, let's say, might say, and by the way, I don't even know what colour the ancient Egyptians were. I really don't. So, you know, if they, if they were black too, great, you know, whatever. I'm talking ethnically, you know. It's not about skin colour in the end, you know. But we'll come back to that. I don't think they were black. Had a guess, just looking at where they came from. Look, I've got no idea. It doesn't matter what the colour is, you know. But, you know, look, I'll call the kind of Europeans the whites, you know. And I'll call the Greeks and the Romans the olives. Does that work? You know, and I'll call the sort of Mesopotamian, Mesopotamians brown, you know. And, and I'll guess that the Greeks were a bit, uh, and, and I'll guess that the Egyptians were a bit light brown, brownish. You know, I'll guess that and so on, you know. And uh, lots of Africans down below were black, you know, that's what I'll guess. You know, um, so when I say, you know, that's just convenient, that's all. I can't think of a better way of putting it. I'm not going to get get into lip shape and nose shape and hair sort of texture. You know, I'm not going to get into all of that. I'll go for the easy thing. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, just on a descriptive level anyway. Anyway, when the black Africans came up, I'm sure the Egyptians, you know, some Egyptians now, I'd have to ask an Egyptian, I haven't. I don't do research. Um, would say they damaged us. Whereas the black Africans who came up, that mob would say, we are Egypt, you know, because they came up and did rule for a while. Was it a whole dynasty? I don't know. Um, it's been lots of dynasties, you know. Uh, right, so the black Africans came up and now, um, and sat as pharaohs on the throne, you know, for a while. As did the, you know, as did Alexander, he came down and sat as pharaoh on the throne and all that sort of thing, you know. Okay. So, um, do... Now, what happens is, what, what you've made there is a contribution. You know, if you're a Greek and you've come down and you've sat on the throne of Egypt, you've made a contribution. Uh, but you've also probably damaged a lot of stuff as, at the same time. Now, um, um, a modern Greek could say, we are, you know, like I could say, um, just on the basis of Alexander having sat on the throne for a little bit and, you know, his, his general having, having taken over after that and a whole dynasty there, the Ptolemy dynasty, having been fairly ascendant in Egypt, you know, they might say, we are Egypt. At the time, the Greeks back then would have said, we are Egypt. You know, Cleopatra would have said, I am Egypt. I'm sure she would have. But she was Greek, you know. But and then the same goes with the Africans, you know, the Black Africans. As we, now, I want to get back to that word Africa because it didn't refer to the Black Africans down there. I'm pretty sure, early on, the word Africa. You know, that's a later construction. But the Black Africans coming up, um, they would have said, "I am Egypt," you know. Now, a Black African sitting as a dynasty on the throne um, for a period. Now. What you can do in the 21st century, and here comes the respect, is latch on to that moment and, and, and put a, highlight a pen around that little moment, you know, and say, aha, at that moment in time, we were on the throne 
of Egypt, therefore we are Egypt. For all of time. You know, Egypt, the whole of time, was us. And us was all of Egypt. We get to claim all of the glories of Egypt because we invaded at one stage and then we appropriated the history of Egypt into um, yeah, into the personage of the pharaoh, the black pharaoh, who hopped on the throne at that time. And Alexander did something similar. You know, he made pilgrimages to the sites, the sacred sites of Egypt, Alexander did. And, um, and he wept, I think. Look, I don't know if he wept. He wasn't a weeping kind of guy. But he was overcome because they were his ancestors in his mind because he was descended from the gods. And when he said, oh, I'm descended from the gods, he meant he, meant he was descended from the entire pantheon of gods of the Mediterranean world. And Egypt was part of the Mediterranean world. And Alexander was descended from the Egyptians' gods just as much as he was from the Greek gods. They were all one and the same thing. In fact, all of the countries around in the Mediterranean world, forget the rest of Africa for the moment, that didn't exist yet. You know, that's a later construction, an artificial construction, if you like, based on tectonic plates, you know. No, nothing to do with what, you know, who, who, who gets to claim what. It's just an accident of tectonic plate sort of habitation, you know what I mean? Um, but, um, you know, um, yes, you know what I get, I'm getting at. Anyway, so, um, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, but anyway, the way, I, look, I'll wrap it up without actually fleshing all of those ideas out because my stream of consciousness has run out. Um, the way I see it is that, you know, Egypt, who gets to claim the glories of ancient Egypt? Well, I'd say the Egyptians, first and foremost, and especially the ancient Egyptians get to claim that. Now, I do remember what I was about to say. Now, you get an invading group, let's say black Africans coming up and sitting as pharaohs on the throne. Firstly, they have to appropriate the history of Egypt into the personage of the pharaoh. You know, the now now black pharaoh, let's say. Let's say. And... um, and at that point in time, that pharaoh you know, owns the entire history of Egypt. And then a modern African, aha, but not even an African, not even that mob of African, a different mob of Africans from way over in the west of Africa can look at this mob of Africans, which was just up the Nile a bit, and say, aha, they took up the throne and then claimed the entire history. Then later on, European scientists worked out that we happened to be living on the same sort of tectonic plate continent whatever so we you know we and and then we realized that africa had a certain shape you know to look at it on a map and then those guys are black and we're black therefore um whatever they appropriated of egyptian history um we can claim that too it was our history as well you know that's the way it looks like to me um but i can see it you know, it did happen on the same tectonic plate. But meanwhile, I can imagine an Egyptian just sitting in Cairo or whatever saying, what the hell? <laughs> this is my culture. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> oh, no, no, but you're on the same tectonic plate. You know, you're on the same continent as us. So it's all Africa. We are all one Pan-Africa. And that, no, no, wait, I would say if I was an Egyptian. No, you know, it's Egypt. Egypt is Egypt. You know, Egypt is not part of Africa. Egypt is part of Egypt. 
You know, that's what I would say if I was an Egyptian. But I can see now that we do know that Africa is a continent and, and it, um, that, um, you know, Africans from way over in wherever, Botswana or something, can say, oh, Egypt is part of the glories of this tectonic plate. Now, that is an, it's an artificial identity group. You can get it going. And to a certain extent, if someone wants to do that, let them, you know, let it be. Yeah. And um, and then that can, you know, that can um, translate into interesting extra ideas, you know, because then if, you know, because in the Mediterranean world, before there was an Africa, when Africa was just a small portion of land at the top of what is modern day Africa, um, back then, Egypt, there was cross-cultural polonisation all around the Mediterranean world, you know, if you talk, you know, Egypt, Sudan, you know, what's the Mediterranean world? Across to Ethiopia, Somalia, Yemen, up to, you know, Saudi Arabia, you know, all that area, or Arabia, you know, and all that sort of stuff, right over to Mesopotamia, and then up to Persia, and then across to um, Greece, and then across to Italy, you know, that Mediterranean world, all the way across to Spain, if you like, really, along the coast, and then even go further, head sort of um, the other way, uh, across to, you know, past Persia and across to India. Now, in that whole world, that was a fertile cultural world. That was all part of the world. So Egypt was part of that world, really, you know. Um, and all those civilizations traded ideas, the Indus Valley, you know. And all those ideas, uh, all those uh, sort of lands, they were trading ideas, so they were teaching each other things. Now, what you can do if you're from Botswana, for example, and, are, and you're a rapper from Botswana, you can say, Egypt is part of us, part of the African continent. Now, I just said now that Egypt was really part of this other world, the Mediterranean world, that was sharing ideas, you know, sharing cultural ideas, like the Greeks and the Egyptians shared gods. There's no problem with that. And the Ethiopians were part of that world too, and um, I think the Somalians were too, and, you know... And all that sort of stuff, you know. And the Yemenis. Yemen, you know, that's in danger of being wiped off the map at the moment, by the way. That's a whole other story. Uh, yeah. um, now, Egypt, you know, is part of that greater Mediterranean slash India slash Iran world, you know what I mean? Um, that whole world, what an amazing world that was. You know, and Egypt is part of that. Look, it's it, Egypt is itself as well. But what you can do, you can sit in Botswana and be a rapper from Botswana and say, aha, but there was a moment in time when Africa had sat on the throne of one portion of that Mediterranean world, i.e. Egypt. And, um, and therefore, uh, and also Egypt happens to be on our tectonic plate, even though it was part of that Mediterranean slash Indian world, slash Iran, slash Indian world, you know, that entire strip of um, cultural explosion, you know, ignore that, you can say, if you're a Botswanan rapper, you know, Egypt is part of our tectonic plate. Now, anything that Egypt provided in terms of cultural learning to all those other Mediterranean lands like Rome, Greece, you know, um, Mesopotamia, and then right across to Persia, maybe even to India. Anything that Egypt offered via, you know, by way of learning, culture, and anything else, um, that learning came from our tectonic plate, 
And you can actually make that leap then to say, we taught the Romans everything they knew. We are the teachers, the Romans are the students. You know, We are the teachers, the Greeks are the students. You, know, you can sort of start running that line. Um, I know that probably sounds wickety-whack, uh, but people do actually say it. Now, I could... I can't remember the rap songs, but there are rap songs that say that. We taught, you know, the rest of the world everything it knows. We, you know. I don't know who that guy who was singing. Look, even he doesn't know where he came from, but probably over in the west of Africa or maybe in the middle. Yeah, I don't know where he comes from and neither does he. And that's a tragedy. Uh, but that doesn't matter. The point is you could kind of look at people's faces and roughly know where they came from. And... He's claiming the glories of Egypt for himself, and he is able to say, I, you know, ex-Nigeria, I, the Nigerian, taught the Greeks everything they know. You know and Now, that sounds a bit mad, but I wouldn't be mentioning it except a lot of rap songs um, and things like that, and YouTube clips you see from America, African-America, uh, do have that um, kind of idea sitting behind them. You know, they are making that claim. You know, we weren't, we once were great, greater than everyone else. And they, and the we that they are talking about, I saw a clip with an African guy who was clearly from way, way down south. Um, and then it, it shot across to some woman in the 21st century, you know, but an African woman, Negroid or something, um, dressed up as Nefertiti, you know, and, and this sort of thing, you know. And, um, and it was an inspirational video on, you know, getting Pan-African, you know, uh, black is great kind of thinking going, you know. And I'm sort of thinking, you've kind of appropriated that Nef- Nefertiti there. I'm, I'm not even sure I'm saying her name right. Is it Nefertiti or Nefertiti? I can't remember now. Uh, it doesn't matter. They almost found her tomb there uh, recently. Um, but they'll look, they'll find it one day. Um in a hidden wall, you know, behind Tutankhamun's <laughs> tomb. Anyway, so, you know, did um, ah, did Africa teach the rest of the world? Well, the, a lot of stuff come off, came off, a lot of stuff come off the tectonic plate that is Africa, you know. Um, it certainly did. A lot of stuff came out of that region that we call Africa now. A lot of stuff did come out of there. A lot of stuff came out of Greece too, though, and down into Africa too. It's cross-cultural sort of learning um, and all these. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually who gets to claim Egypt. Well, I say Egypt in the main, you know, because it was an island for a long time. It got its culture going pretty much in isolation, I think. Yeah. And then uh, lots of mobs came along later and started appropriating that culture. You know, and some of the gods exported up to Greece and all that sort of stuff, you know. And um, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. But I'm, I'm, I, I think there's a big compliment in all of this for the ancient ethnic Egyptians, is my bet. And to a certain extent, those guys would be pretty grumpy that um, other people in the 21st century are claiming their glories for themselves, you know. But on the other hand, are you going to stop them? Let them go. You know, as uh, long as it's not causing you too much harm. Um, you know, you've got to feel good about yourself. Okay, so that's that. 
snitched on this um, word Africa and, and the word Ethiopia too, by the way, and the word Nile. Um, yeah, these are all Roman and Greek words. Um, I, I did look them up at one stage. Uh, now, Africa was this word that um, the Romans used just to describe the land across the water there, you know. And the Greeks were pretty famous for describing people by skin colour. You know, so the Ethiopians were just all the blacks, you know. Now, what happens is, and the Gallows were just all the whites, you know, all barbarians, you know. Now, um, as far as the Greeks were concerned and all that sort of stuff, um, but I find it very interesting um, that um, you know, once geography comes along um, and, you know, and satellite images and all that sort of stuff, and, we, and geologists, and we start to realise that there are these distinct tectonic plates all around the world that we tend to call continents, um, we sort of start to say, all right, you know, identity groups start forming around the tectonic plates, which has got no legitimacy in, his, in sort of, you know, historical sort of social movements and all that sort of stuff and cultural exchange and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, in the case of the Mediterranean world, the, the major cultural exchange that was happening was between tectonic plates, not within a tectonic plate. So a given tectonic plate, you know, the one we call Africa now, um, you know, now what happened, you know, I can't really claim to be part of that game, you know, there's more Egypt and Greece sort of getting, getting it together and Mesopotamia and all that sort of stuff for a long while there, you know, and um, anyway, I'm not trying to clean things up, I'm not trying to clear things up, I'm not trying to make every, all of this sound clear, I want to keep it messy on purpose, you know why, because it is messy, and uh messy history is great because it gives everyone an opportunity to believe what they want to believe and and to grab a small portion of that mess and inflate it to apply to the whole of history you know you can sort of say we were the kings of egypt for you know 200 years therefore we were all of egypt forever you know you can do that sort of thing you can inflate you can blow up you know your connection with something you know um, much like we do in Australia, you know, this, I'm, I'm attached to this land, I really am, I'm attached to the land that is Australia now, and, you know, my people have been here only for 250 years, to, well, my specific people, you know, my ancestors have been here for only um, 150 years, you know, between 100 and one, between 130 and 150 years, you know, that little window, all my ancestors came in then, that is like a blink of an eye going back. You know, but you can inflate yourself to belong to this whole land, which I do now in Australia, you know. The Indigenous people might have something to say about that, but, you know, that's the way I think. This is my land. I don't belong in England or Ireland. I went to Ireland, you know, where most of my ancestry apparently comes from, and I felt nothing. I felt nothing. I went back there, didn't ever, you know, Felt nothing, just wanted to get back to Australia because that's where I belong, that's where my spirit is, I'm attached to the land here. Yeah. Ireland is pretty much nothing to me in case, it, in fact, I, I can't even be bothered. You know, have you listened to my podcast for these last, um, no, of course you haven't. Um, you know, I've gone for 215 episodes, average um, an hour per episode, and I've barely talked about Ireland even once. I've barely talked about even English history because it doesn't interest me. I've talked a lot about Australia. Though. Yeah. So that's the way it goes. We kind of shift our cultural identity, you know. Um, and, you know, that's okay. 
We can if we want. Okay, so that's that. Now, Africa. Yeah, so Ethiopia was just a broad term, I think, you know, for black Africans. You know, so there was an Ethiopian in Acts of the Apostles in the Bible, you know, who I think Jesus met, you know, after Jesus came back to life or something, and he met him on the road and he said, you know, go forth and be gleeful or something, you know, dance down the street and have a really happy thought that you just saw me. Yeah, and the Ethiopian, and it says Ethiopian in the Bible, because I think that part of the Bible was written in Greek originally. Um, and, uh, and the Ethiopian danced off. Now, see, the funny thing is, Ethiopia in the 21st century refers to a very small portion of land, whereas back then the word Ethiopia applied to all Africans who were black, you know, or brown even maybe. You know, but black, black, brown, whatever, who cares? You know, the Greeks would have just said, ah, just all you people who are a bit darker, darker than us, you know. Um, so that, you know, and you can imagine a modern Ethiopian having tears come out of his eyes because they say, oh, this is where Ethiopian Christianity started, with that guy. You sort of think, are you sure he wasn't from, you know, Botswana? Are you sure? Are you positive? Because there's no way to know. He was probably from the Upper Nile, you know. Uh, not even way over in the on the Nile in Ethiopia. It's probably from somewhere else altogether. You know, you don't know that. But what we do, we're a bit chauvinist or something. You know, whatever the word is, um, because something's called something now. When we read that word back in time, we kind of um, equate the two. You know, so Africa. You know, um, you know, someone from Botswana might read something about Africa in Roman texts, ancient Roman texts, and say, oh, wow, here's a reference to us. But it wasn't to him at all. The Romans didn't even know he existed. Yeah? The Romans were talking about the Africans who were part of the Mediterranean world, you know, the Tunisians and the Libyans or whatever, you know, the Carthaginians. They were talking about those guys. They weren't talking about Botswanans. They didn't even know Botswanans exists, existed, you know. So, um... Words shift meaning too. Um, the Nile always meant the Nile, I must admit. But the Greeks weren't called, you know, the Greeks, even to this day, the Greeks don't call themselves Greeks. You know, that was a Roman word for the, the, the Hellenic people. The Hellenic people were a group of people who, um, you know, the Greek people, the Hellenes, you know, my daughter, you know, that's, uh, we named her that too. Um, um, they were the peoples, not even specific. There wasn't a nation-state of Greece back then, you know. Um, the Hellenic people, the Hellenic people, were people who saw themselves as being descended from the Hellenic gods, you know, the Hellenic tradition, you know, um, and all that stuff, you know, the Iliad and the Odyssey and all that sort of thing, you know. That's how you defined people back then. You know, but now, sort of modern Turkey would say, "Oh, this was never part of Greece because it was never it was never declared part of Greece." But it was the Hellenic people that were living there, you know, um, on you know the coast of the Aegean or whatever, you know, that is now Turkey. And they say, "Oh, Greece can't claim that because it was never part of Greece." We'll say, "Well, yeah, but it was full of Greek people, Hellenic people, you know, and um, and so it was Constantinople, you know, way back when it was called Byzantia or whatever." Um, and Turkish people say, yeah, but it wasn't declared Greece. You know? Well, of course it wasn't. Greeks today, even even today, they don't call themselves Greece. They call themselves the Hellenic Republic, you know. Um, what's in a name 
Sometimes the word... Now, Egypt is interesting, though, because Egypt has always been associated with that region right there around the Nile. I like that. Yeah. Um, Ethiopia, that's a funny one, uh, because that one was called all sorts of different things, you know, in history, Aksum and all this sort of stuff, you know. And I think there's just been an artificial political thing came along. Yeah, because Ethiopia was part of the Mediterranean world too and not part of Africa, as far as I can see. Nowhere near part of Africa back in ancient Roman times. Nowhere near it. Africa was over there, you know, as far as the Romans were concerned, you know, above the Sahara on the other side of Egypt, you know. And Ethiopia was just another place in the Mediterranean world sharing gods with the, um, with the rest of the Mediterranean and sharing culture too. I think the most ancient coin in Ethiopia that they've found might be have Greek script on it, you know. It's a lot of cultural exchange. Ethiopians probably contributed to the mix. There's no reason why. They, they would have, you know. Um, to the idea of, you know, ancient, you know, Semitic thought and all that sort of stuff and all that sort of stuff um, and Mediterranean thought, there was cross-cultural ideas flowing left, right and centre and humans are humans. They were all coming up with good ideas, all went into the mix and it's really what each group made of those um, things as time went on that, you know, starts to become amazing. You know, like, well, my favourite bit was the Greeks, you know, when they figured out a whole new way of thinking, you know, although that's my favourite, you know, probably the invention of fire, you know, when uh, humans first harnessed fire, that was huge, and when they first got the wheel going, that was huge, and when, you know, and these were different mobs, you know, um, and, and, and the Greek mob, well... That, that was a new type of fire. That was an intellectual fire that they got going, you know. How to think, which is a ripper, you know. And out of that came ideas like, you know, um, democracy and republics and Olympics and whatever you want to say. All right, so that's that and science, you know. But there's a different type of science was growing up in Mesopotamia too and over in India as well and blah, blah, blah. And I could go on and on and on. Um, but this episode was mostly about Egypt and who can claim the glories of Egypt and in the end I would say that the person in the world who is uh, who most legitimately can claim the glories of Egypt is Molly Meldrum the rock and roll guru from here in Melbourne because he's got his joint all decked out like Egypt yeah and cats the whole bit yeah. end of episode <laughs>